0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Compete Waffle. My name's Alicia. I'm an advanced sports dietitian and co-CEO of Compete Nutrition. This Compete Waffle is all about sharing with you loads of stories from all different types of athletes and experts and hopefully giving you the knowledge and the confidence to take with you lots of actionable steps on your journey to basically reaching your potential in both sport and life. So I think we've all been there where we're trying to balance all balls in the air whether it be work, life, family, sport, um, all of those things and not necessarily holding each one up at all times and this is the reason why I want to give a voice and a story to just your everyday active individuals doing incredible things Uh, and this is who you'll be hearing from for this episode of the Compete Waffle. Her name is Emma Bunn, she is a gorgeous girl that has been a crew member with Compete for a while now uh, and is also a cyclist with Team a local cycling team based in Newcastle but also branching out in all areas such as Sydney uh, and also a project manager so she kind of bundles together those two. She tries to balance them all and I think we can all um, empathize a lot with her story and where she's found herself now in trying to be the best that she can be in all areas of life. Uh, I really wanted to have her on the podcast because I think she has this beautiful way of communicating that progress isn't necessarily linear um, and there are lots of bumps in the road and a lot of ups and downs and uh, it's okay to feel like you're going backwards sometimes to be able to take that next step forward. So I know that you're going to enjoy this podcast i really hope that you can um, really share that story with emma Uh, she shares some incredible insights a beautiful story about where she's from and where she's going uh, and also talks through of course a little bit of nutrition in between there as well so thank you so much everyone enjoy the hearing from emma and we cannot wait to hear from you soon if you would also like to be a crew member of compete we have a free assessment on our website competenutrition.com where you can hear from one of our team of performance dietitians in person to get you started with no strings attached, no pressure. We just really want to start that conversation with you and get you on your way to achieving your goals and reaching your potentials. So I'm looking forward to hearing from you all soon. Have an incredible day and enjoy this podcast. Cheers. Hello Em and welcome to the Compete Waffle. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: No, thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) Em has been a Compete Crew member for a little while now and I've just Really loved being part of her journey and her, you know, ups and downs and roller coasters of just being um, active in full-time work uh, and just kind of navigating that. And so this month we were like, yeah, Em has got to be our member of the month for sure. She's just, you know, been through so much and um, working with her has been such a cool opportunity. She's a bit shocked with the podcast interview, but hey, we're doing we're, it. We're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> doing it yeah, yeah. <laughs> em, did you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? What you're um, all about in terms of what sports you're into, um, and a little bit about your career life as well.
1: Cool. Um, okay, so I, when I adult and tried to adult, <laughs> yeah. um, I am a project manager in the construction industry. So I studied architecture at uni, and then. Um, went into the project management realm and finished my master's last year. Yeah. No. Yeah. Last year.
0: Yeah. Um, we're still in 2019. We're good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I only graduated this year though. Cause they're so delayed. So uh, I always get
0: really confused. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, finished that. And so that keeps me really busy, um, constantly chopping and changing um, with client demands. And then in my free time, I cycle. Um, so predominantly road cycling, just because I'm in Sydney and the velodrome is so far from home. So I was a track cyclist, and that was where a lot of my goals were focused. But sort of things happen and chopped and changed, and have now found. A new passion for road. So I ride for a local team called Juist um, who are newly based and then um, we have some presence in Sydney. So we do some races together and then target some away ones as well.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. I, it was really cool to see you kind of navigate that track to road to track again and working through obviously where your passion lies but finding a new love elsewhere. Did you ever think that you would really fall in love with the road cycling?
1: No, no, I always use road as, um, you have to do road to do track, so I've yep. always done an element of road. Yep. But you got me on a hill, and I was like, no, I'm a trackie, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: yeah.
1: I used every excuse under the sun as to why road wasn't for me, chucked um, myself in the deep end and reached out to Juiz last year or the year before, um, and just said, why don't I just start racing? with you guys do something and that will hopefully motivate but predominantly my goals still lie on track um that was awesome to have that support and network from them and some really really smart people to learn from
0: Mm. um
1: so that was that was really fun and then I just actually fell in love with the road (laughs) I really loved going out on bunch rides um networking with different people riding with different people all the time different skill levels and yeah, I mean, I still love track. Um, I just want to tackle it from a different angle this time where I'm getting those base Ks up, different hills, scenery and things like that, and then coming back to the track and seeing what that does rather than focusing it the other way around. Um, yeah. And we'll just, yeah, see how it see how it goes, but we'll give it a miss this season.
0: <laughs> yeah, Oh, and this is the thing, right? Like racing track is hard to do without the... You know, very direct and specific training that comes with it, and the strength training that comes with it. Um, so I love your flexibility in that, and I think that's so—that's something that a lot of people can probably empathise with when you're trying to balance life and where you live and what's accessible and what you have time for. It becomes a really hard balancing act. And um, you know, you mentioned a few really nice things about cycling, of obviously why you like it and why road has been actually really nice balance for you. What is what is it that? has really drawn you to cycling both track and road. What what do you love about it?
1: Um I think it's it's the sense of adventure that you get definitely from the road. Um, mm. It's the friends as well that you get from both track and road. For me personally it's it's finding your limit and pushing that a little bit further as well. Um, so I have a bit of a weird story in that I did track quite competitively as a junior um, and so ended road at school as a junior um, So we had an awesome school program. We would do Sunday time trials uh, every week during the winter period and then track would be summer because I got into track because my coach at the time um, was a track rider so it wasn't a super strong sport then so you, you did a lot of road. Mm. um and then I threw it all in when I finished school moved to London um, and decided I didn't want to do any of that anymore yeah um, moved to Australia and they didn't have a velodrome close by at that point so I was up in Queensland um and the animators hadn't been built and so I started rowing um and so I went to the rowing side of things which was really nice I didn't realize how similar they were from like elite sports and that dominance but it gave me that competitive edge and then um when i moved back to sydney that's when i decided i wanted to hop back on the bike but it was really nice to do it from a completely different perspective you went from a junior athlete that was very cautious of everyone else and what everyone else was doing and how much how many K's they were training and what were they eating and what were they doing? Like you were just constantly in this judgment realm. Yeah. I was at school too. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely, yeah, it was a really tense competitive environment. And then, so I always said when I hopped on the bike, back on the bike, if I did, I wanted to do it with a completely different mind frame. Mm. Um, it was hard it was really really hard like seeing the numbers thrown back at you and just realizing how unfit you were and things like that but i had the fun things of we didn't have power back then so we had heart rate and cadence so i automatically like my coach predominantly goes off power and threshold so we went straight to that realm which allowed me to not have such a harsh judgment on myself when I was dying up hills yeah. and thinking like, <laughs> I used to be able to do this really easily. Yeah, you didn't have
0: the power, so you didn't have any comparison. <laughs>
1: yes, it wasn't that comparison. I didn't know what my FTP was. I had no idea back then, so mm. like I couldn't do that, which was a really nice thing. Mm. Um, but I I was really excited to be coming back and doing it with. I've learned a lot about myself in the past like eight years off the bike, nine years off the bike by that point. I've learned a lot from the rowing world and things. So there was all these other things that I could apply to the bike this time around and see where it could take me. Mm. Um, and so that I think was for the first 18 months, that was one of the most fun things about being back on the bike and finding my limit and yeah. reigniting a passion. That was a big part of my junior world. Yeah. Um, So yeah that was really really cool and it's now just finding that balance between track and road again um and where those passions are and how much you want to drive and which ones do you want to drive whilst juggling a full-time job
0: (laughs) yeah and (laughs) i think yeah and i think that's the hard part right because that that level of comparison comes in because you're racing against people who might have more time than you or might be less of a commute or um you know, recovering better or in a better mindset in terms of like the training and the recovery and then fitting some work in. But um, that balance between full-time work and a demanding job at that and quite a stressful job at times as well, I'm sure. Um, Along with that training, it can really bring it out, and um, really find that hard to actually get that balance of training and not overreaching with your training as well. Because overreaching comes down to not just your training load; it's actually your stress load as well. And um, I know that's something we've talked about in the past is actually really um, appreciating that, and appreciating that you know you're not you might be trying to train like a pro athlete, but you're not able to recover like one.
1: Yeah, what we. Call in the world like the life TSS, which it's a slap in the face because you can't calculate it, it doesn't show on your TSS thing, but it's real. Yeah, it it, it definitely got me November, December. Um, this year, I that was it, like, there was just too much life TSS. Um, Mm. so this break over the Christmas period has been amazing to just be back on the bike and not have the mentality and stress of work um, and refine that love and like drive to jump out of bed in the morning and be like, cool, you're going on an adventure. Where are
0: you going today? <laughs> sort yeah. of thing. Um, Absolutely. That motivation to train is a measurement that I use a lot for the main reason that it shows so much about where your headspace is at. Like if you're jumping out of bed and you're really motivated to train and you're excited to train, then that shows that so many things are aligning and that you're in such a good headspace. So, you know, even though obviously my job as a dietitian is in food, there's so much to do with actually that other end of making sure that you're okay and you're, you are recovering and you are looking after yourself first and foremost to make sure that you can perform and make sure that your mood is good and make sure your sleep quality is good.
1: Yeah. And I feel like you, when you have that mental energy, you really want to do that because you can see all the benefits that it comes from. I mean, I know for me with work, like training, yes, is first and foremost, Mm. most of the time I try and get that, but if I Mm. can't get training, I at least want to nail the other aspects of my life. So, I mean, we've spoken about it lots with Mm. it. Sleep is one of the first things that I try and get back into a routine with because I just know how detrimental it is to me and then nutrition and it's kind of like if i can get those things right it doesn't make me feel as guilty not hopping on the bike that day but when the spiral goes bad and you're feeding yourself with shit you're not sleeping properly and then you're not even training you just don't, I don't know, as me as a human, I just don't feel super great. And yeah. I just know that I don't apply myself to my job. I don't, it's just not a nice place to be.
0: <laughs> no, it's horrible. And it's like that performance in life, right? Like, and I think that it's so, it's such a beautiful way to put that, um, those different connectors and how they do all align. Because if you can't necessarily train, but you are looking after your sleep and you are looking after your food, you may actually end up training or you may end up training better. And so getting those first things, right is such a big part and that's definitely you know as we're coming into the new year what I'm definitely encouraging is instead of trying to change everything and be perfect in every area what are the first habits that are actually going to lead into better habits and it is it's those little connectors to start with of the sleep and the food and those types of things that are going to make you feel better that then lead into that really nice space of actually being able to achieve those goals Um, but you have to tick off a few things first.
1: Yeah. And that's what I really liked what you suggested to me, actually, when um, we were talking about goals and how you said, actually, why don't we look at habits instead? And I don't know, for me, that just really, that aligned so quickly. It was like, actually, yeah, I'm such a hundred percenter Mm -hmm. all the time with, and goals to me is it's quite a harsh, like you either, you achieve them or you fail. Um, And that, that for me in this point in my life just doesn't work. So I, I need those habits which are just a lot healthier to achieve if sort of you know what exercise makes you feel like. So develop the habit of getting up every morning and and look at, reflecting and thinking, okay, I can't quite do an intense session today. My body just doesn't really want that. Having those conversations with your coach so they know where you're at and being able to adapt. So in those last few weeks in December when it was just absolutely manic at work and manic all over in life it was okay i'm just going to get up at seven to keep my routine but instead i'm going to do pilates or go for a walk or go for a run or just do something that then wasn't necessarily an hour and a half smash fest on the bike that then you're shredded to pieces by 3pm at work not really
0: being able to apply yourself Mm. um so it's the was, art of showing up, isn't it? It's like if I can just practice showing up at something, it's going to lead yeah. to me feeling better, but it doesn't need to be necessarily like that really intense. Um, you know, it may not be a month for PBs, is probably the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. It's just a different frame of mind and a different approach, but allowing you to still keep a routine somewhat mm-hmm. there. And you yeah. know, the benefits of them if you do that, because they're hard to set after a while
0: oh absolutely no totally agree I think so too like you can always increase it later when you're feeling better um and how have you found like that um you know journey from junior athlete all the way through to now being a full-time worker but still balancing that athlete Kind of um, identity for sure. Um, how have you found your journey with food and nutrition? Like, is it something that you've always kind of been interested in, or is it something that's kind of set, set at the background and something you've only really appreciated later?
1: um So, it's something that I've definitely developed as I've gotten older and gotten used to. Um, during the junior years, as I highlighted before, it was an extremely competitive environment, um, all girls' school, all that sort of. So I had a really negative perspective on food. Um, I lacked knowledge and understanding of the benefits that came along with food and things like that. And I definitely used it as a control mechanism um, for me. As I've gone through like the rowing years, that was still quite evident because we just didn't, there was dietitians around, but it wasn't the same level of support. And then um, it was one of the first things I did when I hopped back on the bike was got a dietitian. Um, that I knew aligned with my goals and could support me in the way that I needed um, on the bike and understanding the levels of energy that are required and things like that. For me, it came down to informing myself a little bit on the necessary benefits of food. And then it was finding someone that you could trust um, with your food intake and things. That was a big thing. Sometimes you feel like you overeat and there might be too much food on your menu but you need to always go back to, well, that person's not gonna make me fat. Like,
0: they don't have yeah, yeah. that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, That's
0: definitely not I, their goal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just trust
1: it and go with it. And if it's overeating or too much food, like let them know and then they can scale at that. So it was that level of me finding comfort within my own body and my own mm. skin first and knowing that I was exercising enough as well. That, and then it was letting someone else in to take some rain on on what I should be eating and providing that guidance and informing me so that I can make educated decisions now going forward and I can adapt as the day goes on if if I can't get it perfect and I mean I know we tried the specific um plan and I just freaked out for that for me like it was too much control and too much pressure and so we've ended up going back to the flexi which just because I'm at a point where I now know a little bit I can, I can make those adaptions if I can't quite nail it and it doesn't freak me
0: out as much. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's a really good point because um, with our menus, we change them depending on the athlete and where they're at. So, you know, a very specific daily plan might be a really good starting point to get, you know, a bit of control back and a little bit of confidence back and, you know, almost hold your hand a little bit just to give you confidence that you are allowed to eat according to how much you're exercising. But then it's really important to give you back that independence and give you back that flexibility because we don't want you to need a plan forever. We don't want you to need a yeah. menu forever. Like it's really important to us that you are gaining that flexibility and choice and able to not just know what to eat, but know the why behind it so you can adapt and trust yourself. And um, it's about allowing yourself to need food and deserve food and then really working through that intuitive eating and being able to trust that. And, you know, it as you've kind of found out I think is like it isn't a straight path at all in terms of nutrition or training it really does go up and down yeah
1: and you need someone in your corner that's that's adapting with you in those up and downs like some weeks are hectic training wise and so fuel is really important in them just the same with recovery weeks um and I think that's that's where you do need the experts sitting there and helping you adjust and making those changes, especially coming into competition season, where and like summer and winter, and you know, we've had all those conversations, but there's just so much change. And when it's not your expert field, you can only apply sort of common sense to some of the things. Yeah. Um, and that's where we want you to get to, right? Yeah. yeah. But you require a little bit more sometimes, especially
0: in the lead up to competitions where you're demanding. Oh, well, hang on. My my dogs are barking. Sorry, everyone. We oh, just got interrupted by some um, barking dogs. <laughs> so we'll restart. Neither of <laughs> us can remember what we're actually talking about. So I will change tack. Now, Emma, I sense a bit of an accent. Where are you originally from? I'm New guessing Zealand. New
1: Zealand just no, no, come home so it's a really strong Sorry.
0: no no not at all do you know what I think this is the funny thing right because we've always just spoken over our app that I'm like oh didn't know she was from New Zealand <laughs> <laughs> easy, you don't pick up. I'm, I'm a Kiwi <laughs> yeah yeah whereabouts and in New Zealand Where are you
1: from strong when I come back from New
0: Zealand oh yeah you just pick up a little bit extra
1: yeah well it's really funny like I'll go to the supermarket in New Zealand and or like hang out with family or friends or whatever and they'll be like oh you're definitely Australian (laughs) like you've got that wine about you yeah I I hear that (laughs) and then and then I come back here and they're like oh you're definitely a Kiwi like so I'm this weird intertwine.
0: can't quite nail either um, I wouldn't worry I'd keep that identity about you so what what took you to um obviously you went overseas to the UK was that to study or just travel
1: no so I did a gap year um nice. so I worked as a gap tutor slash teacher um in London got really really lucky with that so I was 17 flew over there worked in a um school where it was k1 to 12 yes. um and then that we were 20 minutes from London. So oh, we wow. finished day school and we finished every day, sort of around four. We'd always have to do after school sport with them. Mm. And then we'd just um, go into London and things. So I had an absolute dream year away, wow. doing lots of travel and meeting new people, seeing new things. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, and then, Decided to come to Oz for uni. Um,
0: yeah. Didn't really want to go back home, so I, I think that's really nice. I think that gap year is so so cool. I I was actually personally wasn't ready for it. Like I really felt like I wasn't ready to travel yet. I came from a small country town and went straight to uni, and it wasn't until like two or three years into a uni I'm like okay now I'm ready now I'm ready to kind of really explore an adventure so it's really funny like to kind of look back and go oh I'm really fortunate that I ended up in the right uni degree because I really didn't know what I wanted to do back then <laughs> yeah it's so
1: hit and miss isn't it yeah. like I applied to uni straight after school um mm. I always knew I wanted to go it was just more of a I couldn't think of anything worse going from school
0: straight to uni um yeah, good on you so,
1: I always had that in the back of my mind that it was a year to just have fun, um, yeah. which was, I think that's quite a nice way to do it. I think I would have been quite lost otherwise mm. um, or just stressful applying. Yeah, burnout, right? Yeah, exactly. When you're in the northern. Um, yeah. So, no, it was, it was a really nice year away. And then I was able just to smash out uni, which was good.
0: Yeah, I think that travel um, sense of... You know, that adventure and the empathy and the experience that you get out of traveling and seeing other countries and seeing how other people live is so valuable beyond just having fun or beyond just traveling. It's just got so much value that you can translate into the workplace, into sport, into just friendships and family and whatnot. And I think, you know, there's just, yeah, if everyone can kind of take that time, like I did a year overseas. um, I was two years out, I think, like I'd actually graduated and then we went to Netherlands for a year just to live and play hockey. So yeah, we lived the dream for a year and it was so central to travel in the Netherlands that it was a really, really cool year. Like financially, obviously, stupid decision. Um, And then also like career wise, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm putting my career on hold for a year because I don't speak enough Dutch to work as a dietitian over there. Um, What's going to happen? But it actually ended up refreshing and actually launching me in a totally different direction.
1: Well, that's the thing. I think, like, if you can, why not? Like, you're going to be in your career for years. I'm currently at that point in my life. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, I'm also very conscious I'm in a job, so I probably shouldn't put this in a
0: <laughs> no no and i think that's the thing is that like yeah you can be in a job and um you know have that career path but it's still reassessing and um making sure that it's always something that you're really passionate in and i can really sense like um you know that direction and the drive that you've got is not only in your cycling but also in your career and i think we're our own biggest enemies in that regard of just high the high standard that we hold to ourselves of being you know excellent in all areas
1: yeah yeah and i feel like you you do. You spend a lot of time in your career as well, so it's not something that you want to be half fasting. Um, I guess I'm like I'm at quite a unique point in my life where I've just bridged over um, roles. So I'm um, like the spectrum within my role. You can be 25 or 55 yeah. and have the same title. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you've got a lot more experience in, in under your belt. But yeah. for me, like just bridging into that title now. I'm kind of like, this is your opportunity to maybe go, do something different and then come back into it. Or it's sort of head down, bum up, drive your career and try up the career ladder. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it it is fun, but... I,
0: the travel life is kind of cool yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, and, and balancing that with cycling right like I think the thing with cycling is that you need to be on the bike for so long like it's not like oh I can just go for a half hour run it's like okay I've got to be on the bike for a long time to actually gain that um advantage and performance benefits as well
1: yeah totally totally and like you said before like you're always comparing yourself to your peers and being like oh well, they're working full-time or they're doing this as well like you just you're your biggest critic um And I am really lucky to have two very supportive coaches in that sense as well. Um, I've got a lot of supportive people in my corner just helping make it easier in every other aspect of my life um, so that I can apply my best foot. But that comes with a lot of pressure as well because you always want to be doing that. You don't want to waste other people's time um, with those sorts of things.
0: So yeah and it's it's a really interesting thing and i think um it's something i reflect on quite often because of social media like there's so much more comparison available to us now um where we can be super judgmental and it's really important that we reflect back and go oh no this isn't actually always how it was previously i wouldn't even have known that person and it was even just going to the beach yesterday and i think you know you think about beach body and you think about oh you kind of use instagram as like seeing bikinis and whatnot and you're like oh gosh I'm well off that like I've got a lot more stretch marks than that um but then you go to a beach and you're like oh my goodness like reality is so different like there's so many different bodies to be celebrated and everyone you know living and moving and enjoying the sunshine at the beach is like oh that's a beach body like you know you just kind of can lose perspective and it's the same with sport and you do tend to follow accounts that are you know similar interests to you so it is hard to um pull yourself out of that comparison. And speaking of which, like obviously the Strava side of things and the data side, have you have you found that you enjoy having more data now that you've re-entered cycling in a different tech space or did you like kind of that free aspect of cycling when you were younger or you can't really compare? Um, so when I
1: first got back into it, I was a data freak. I yes. loved it. <laughs> I was yeah. learning about it. I wanted to know everything and... That was all aspects of my life. I'm a real numbers person. So I studied architecture beforehand, um, before going into project management. So there's a lot of numbers in my life. Um, And then, yeah, getting back on the bike was really into that. Recently, I've actually just become, like I train better without the numbers. Um, So quite often like I'll have Efforts to do, and I'll go to the park and do them, and I'll chuck my computer on maps, mm-hmm. um, and I'll just have the time up there, which was say like a thirty second effort, and I just go, and surprisingly, they're the ones that I do the best in. <laughs> so <laughs>
0: amazing, yes. Yeah, so yeah.
1: I've started. To just do that a little bit more is something I I really just shook things up in September, October, November. I was like, nothing's working. I don't mm. really know what I'm doing. Mm. Let's just do whatever. <laughs> like, um, and it yeah. So I have I love the maps feature now on my on my bike.
0: It's <laughs> <That's> a great idea. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that. So you've still got the data, and you can still upload to Strava, <laughs> but you don't. Have yeah, I can still
1: upload to Strava. Yeah, yeah. I still have to upload to Training Peaks, so my yeah. coach still goes through it. Mm-hmm. Um but they definitely don't take their approach all the time of like, Oh, those efforts weren't all great. You know, they weren't all the 1.2 IF or things like that, because they just know that I don't really appreciate that right now. And it's not really needed right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. If I was, targeting my track goals completely different story they're numbers based and they have to be because I'm targeting certain times for Mm -hmm. IPs and it is really numbers based and learning that consistency and that routine and the discipline um so it is it's just different goals and mindsets that I can use this now to completely refresh um and in saying that when I jump on Zwift I freaking love it because then it's numbers again but I'm not mentally drained when I'm trying to target those numbers. There's nothing worse than being fatigued, mentally drained, and having to hit a number that you just can't hit. And like, you're trying as hard as you can and you just can't get it. And then it's just like you feel like you've wasted a session, but in reality you've turned up, you've smashed yourself for an hour, and that's all you could achieve that day and that's, that's okay.
0: It's better than maybe not doing it at all. Oh, I love that, Em. It's so, so true. And I think it comes back to that um, perspective and really respecting um, what your life is and also trusting what your body can do and what is right for you that day. And so much of what you said can actually be translated to food and how we work with our athletes is that, you know, sometimes you need to shut off to tracking, to numbers, to, um, you know, the prescription you need to shut off and actually just trust your body and enjoy that and turn back to what food's really about in that nourishment and that social occasion. And, um, you know, focus on your recovery and your mood and your health benefits from that and how you feel. But then there's other times where you really do have to be quite, you know, stringent with your food at um, the top level. And so it's about, you know, mixing that up a little bit and really reflecting on what do I need right now? What do my sessions need right now? And how does that change depending on the day and depending on that block of training? And can I switch off for a little bit and that off season or that time to uh, really respect where you are mentally, um, I know is so important, but it's also important just to feel right. Like in December. Yeah. I think you
1: become so routine orientated that you're almost numb to it. It's like, Oh, I've got to eat this. Got to eat this. Like, oh, it's 2 PM. I better eat this. And I don't know, like it just feel, you feel like a robot and you just kind of like, want it. What is the greater purpose of this? And if you can't answer that question, then it needs to come back and reassess. I, and I appreciate when you're coming into competition, especially with rowing, like when you've got to hit weight targets and things like that, there is a lot of buildup and pressure within it. But, Again, you have your purpose. So you can reason with why you're doing what you're doing. But the minute that goes, you start losing the feel and the appreciation for just the simple things and the simple enjoyment of each of the things, whether that be food, exercise, work, life, like friendships, whatever it is, you actually start to not enjoy that just yeah. becomes routine
0: <laughs> yeah and also feel really um unsure and anxious without it so i remember for you like moving from something quite you know daily and um specific you're actually like no i need that like i need that type of structure and i was like oh, are you sure like i really don't know that this is the best place for you and you're like no no i need the structure i need the daily and it took that experience of realizing that you were okay to eat and you could eat and you could trust to then move through but yeah sometimes what we think we need is actually not the same as um what our bodies are actually needing or what our minds are actually needing at the time so it is a funny little thing that happens for different seasons
1: (laughs) the constant reflection and just like tune in with yourself but you got to do it in the right mentality as well and sometimes you just got to just put the next bit forward and it'll be okay. I,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I know everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like for me, December was this, oh man, it was just a crappy month. And I think for a lot of people, December is just saying yes to everything and having no time or structure and just knowing there's a break coming. But you know, there's a tidal wave to ride before then. Yeah. And so, yeah, there was so much, like there was weeks of just feeling really blah and I've, I've lost my sparkle and I don't know where it is and I just am getting through each day and surviving, but I'm not who I want to be. Yeah. And it wasn't until we break and we're like, oh my goodness, thank goodness that's over. But I'm so glad I felt that. But gosh, it was hard in the moment to then get myself out and um, you know, re find who I am and also who I want to be. But yeah, you do. It's just this roller coaster ride. And um I really thank you for um showing that to us and, you know, explaining your journey and in both your sport and also your food and i think hopefully it will resonate with so many because i feel like it's so important to you know hear stories from just your everyday active person who is doing it and doing everything at once and smashing in so many different ways but also knowing that that path and that progress isn't straight and it's not linear it's all about just readjusting and realigning and always aiming for progress over perfection and um thank you so much em we had such a great time chatting and i'm so glad we hooked you up for this podcast